You're listening to another episode of Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are the go-to podcast for students and new grad speechies who know a little about a lot, giving you our unprofessional but professional advice that you didn't know you needed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. We hope that you are enjoying the content so far. Today, we have a pretty special episode. Before we start, we really want to thank the women who took time out of their busy days to help us put together this episode. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely couldn't have done this episode without them. So thank you. This has actually been a highly requested episode, and we think it's a really important one, actually. We are going to be hearing from current mothers who are following their dreams and studying speech pathology. So this episode is for anyone considering studying speech or for someone you know who wants to study speech. We want to help you all know what it's like firsthand and how these super mums manage the demands of study, work, home and children, which just saying that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot for sure. While I was at uni, my cohort was divided between school leavers, mature-aged women, mothers, and others in their mid-20s to 30s. It was actually really mixed, which was great. I wasn't expecting it being first time out of school. I thought everyone would have been like 18. But during stressful periods at uni, I would always think about my peers and who I was studying with and that some of these women had children and I just thought how are they possibly managing all of this because I really struggled to work part-time and study oh for sure I was complaining every single day (laughs) about how hard my life was while I was at uni so I think this is going to be really handy to hear how these particular mothers actually handle all of these demands and hopefully inspire other mothers who are considering going to university because we want to help you to pursue your dreams and overcome some of those barriers and questions that you have about returning back to study. But before we get into the episode, as always, Cassie, how has your week been? Um, I'm actually going to talk about a flop this week, which I didn't think I would have so early on in the year. I have finally gone back to visiting schools now that we're sort of allowed in after all the COVID stuff. And I saw one of my kids for the first time in a while. I saw him last year before Christmas. And I could just tell that he was just so upset about me being there. Like my presence just made him angry. Um, Hate when that happens. Yeah. I just was like, oh my God, what do I do? And I mean, like I could visibly see that he was so emotional, but he was like telling me how he wished that I would just like run onto the road and get hit by a bus. Oh my God. He was like dreams of like a knife going into my head. Like he physically like wanted me to die. <gasps> and all I could do is sit there. I was like, oh, okay. Like that really hurts my feelings. And I was like, I do not need this to take it. <laughs> like, whoa. Um, but no, I think I ended up like seeing it as a opportunity to kind of like help manage his emotions about speech therapy. But yeah, that was oh my goodness. That's hilarious, but it's also not funny. You're like, I've got problems too, kid. Everyone does. <laughs> I know, poor little thing. But anyway, that was okay. I just had to put all of that into words to his mom, which was hard to write. But yeah. yeah. How was your week on the uh, fabulous water that is your life now? <laughs> fabulous water. Uh, <laughs> my week's been good. I've actually been out of service for like two weeks. 
So thank you, Cassie, for picking up the slack on literally everything. <laughs> um, but we've been in really remote places where there's been literally no internet. So being unable to be contacted was for two weeks was actually the most I've been without service. Such a long time. It is such a long time and you don't think about it. And then my, I'd had to physically stop my mind from worrying about really silly things when I was laying in bed at night because it would keep me up because I was like, I couldn't be contacted. So how do I know my dog hasn't run away? (laughs) Or How do I know something hasn't happened with like the podcast or I don't know. So it was, that was really weird to experience. I feel like I can't relate to that because I've never gone that long without service. So I'm not even going to try to say how hard that would be. Yeah, it was weird, but I really enjoyed looking at my screen time notifications and it was like, you averaged five minutes a day. (laughs) And then this week it's like, you averaged eight hours a day. Yeah, literally it's been so much, but anyway. So yeah, my week's been good, but back to being in service and in town, getting groceries and all of that stuff. So it's always crazy. So So let's get into it. As we said before, we are going to be hearing from a few women about their experiences studying and being a full-time mum. We sent them your questions and they have definitely delivered the goods with their answers. So the first question that we asked these mothers and students is how does the class schedule work? So for example, are the classes mostly online? Are the classes compulsory? What time of day are the classes and can you catch up on the classes in your own time? So let's hear from our first listener. Ooh, exciting. Hi, guys. Just to answer your questions about the schedule for the classes and whether they're online and compulsory and the times, et cetera. Um, For my first year in both semesters, my timetable was distributed into three days on campus. And the earliest class I had was 8 a.m., which was a struggle to get to as I had to drop both my children off at different locations and then drive to uni, which is about an hour drive for me. Um, In my first semester, all three days um, had back-to-back classes with no break in between. But for my second semester, the units were spread out to one class per day. All classes are face-to-face and they have pre-recorded lectures that you're responsible to complete in your own time. Um, It just gives you an advantage to understand what's going on during class. Um, If you do miss a class, you just get your notes off another student or a friend as some of the lecturers decide not to upload the slides. Um, But in saying that, with the whole current um, COVID situation, I think they've been more lenient. Um, but there's no attendance requirement. I know some students that only came one or two days the whole semester and still managed to pass the unit. The only disadvantage is you're not getting the um, the verbal explanation during class. Um, you're just getting the tutorial slides that they upload. I swear lecturers don't put up the slides on purpose, hey? I know. I was just thinking that. How mean is that? <laughs> Uh, I know some classes, though, do have are compulsory, so you just have to check with that for anyone that is listening. Because I'm assuming they're not going to upload a recording to something that's compulsory because otherwise no one would come. Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't at all. <laughs> okay, well, let's listen to another recording answering this first question. Okay. The class schedule really varies from one uni to another, so it's definitely good to ask this question up front. For me, as a working parent 
um, of three small children doing a master's part-time, I find the biggest challenge is the lack of notice about the timetable for each semester. It's really hard to organise childcare when you only find out what your timetable is a couple of weeks before a semester starts. Mainly the classes are not online, they're in person because there's a large practical component to speech language pathology. Um, I've been lucky during COVID uh, that the classes were all online and remote, so I could catch up on them in my own time, but this is not the norm. So that is um, or can be quite a challenge. It's interesting that this mother said how difficult it was to schedule her children because of the late timetables that we used to get. And I would find that with work they would want to know your availability but you literally couldn't so then I didn't even think about how difficult it would be with kindy yeah absolutely not because I know like a lot of kindies have waiting lists and you need to know when your children are going to daycare so that you can do your uni and if you've got a job as well on top of that it would be so stressful definitely another one of our listeners who is studying the masters of speech pathology full-time also said classes were scheduled four days per week with a combination of lectures and workshops. The workshops attendance was mandatory and the rate of attendance was 80% to pass. And all lectures were available online at your convenience. However, lecture material was crucial for the workshops. This listener also stated intensive subjects were also a part of the course. However, due to restrictions, they were available online. Interesting. So it obviously depends where you study is going to be slightly different. But I think the biggest thing to take away from that was there is quite a high rate of attendance that's required to pass subjects. Yeah, that's right. And as the first mother who answered said, you it's easier to go because you're picking up, you're getting the verbal explanations and, you know, learning from your peers. So it makes it a little bit easier rather than trying to do it at home. I I also do wonder the financial impact studying can have on a full-time family too. You know, thinking about having one parent working and another studying, I can really see how much of an impact study would have on a family. But at the same time, how far would you be willing to go to follow your dreams and also do something for yourself as a mom? Full well knowing that when you finish, you will be financially stable and working in your dream job. So I really underestimated mature age students at uni and didn't realize how easy most of us school leavers had it especially coming from me because I lived at home yeah I know that's so true I actually never realized that either until now wow (laughs) they probably hated when I just rocked up to uni complaining about how tired I was I know I'm thinking that now too I'm so sorry (laughs) okay well let's move on to the second question so this is how does placement work do you have a lot of placement Is it typically scheduled somewhere close to your home? (laughs) Are they flexible in terms of school hours and the term to accommodate for children? So let's hear from another listener now. For placement, we do have quite a large number of placement hours that we do um, for this program at our uni. We do a placement in second year, which is a paediatric placement, and that's one day a week for two school terms. So for that placement, I was able to request that I have preference to do my placement on a day that my husband didn't work. So they were really understanding with um, allowing me to put in my preferences to only 
do my placement on the Friday. Um, and they were really accommodating and understanding with that, that that's what I needed to do to make that placement work. Um, so I was able to get through that. So placement can be quite intense. Um, I find, it, again, it depends on the university that you're attending as to how they approach placement. Um, I'm doing a master's part-time, so I do um, have some options with how I manage my placement compared to a full-time load. Um, they are generally flexible. Um, in terms of accommodating people with families and, and trying to ensure that um, placements are close to home where they can be. Oftentimes, um, you would need to fill in some additional um, paperwork to explain why you can't do something like a rural or a regional placement, perhaps if you have family commitments. Um, they definitely do accommodate um, term times, but they don't accommodate school hours or anything like that. So you do have to be prepared to have care organised for the kids if you are doing um, a placement where you need to work full time or at least nine to five kind of hours. Yeah, the placement hours can be really tricky and it, I guess it depends on the placement site and your CE because one placement I was allowed to leave at 3.34 because I started really early but then other times I couldn't leave till 5.30 so that would be tricky. Yeah, that's super hard and not knowing until the day you get there too, I think that would also be really tricky but I really liked that answer and how that particular listener said that, you know, you have to be prepared to have care for your kids. I think it's just knowing in advance what you need to be prepared for, which would make it a lot easier. It also sounds like for placements that mothers and fathers, I should say, do get a little bit more lenience when it does come to placement selection and they must just send the younger students out to those more rural placements, it seems like. So just listening to another listener who is studying full-time, this listener mentioned that the second year of study is mostly placement, which is completed in blocks. So over time, that equates to about 23 weeks of placement in total. So they said that placement is conducted four days a week and classes are on the fifth day. That is so full on, isn't it? That is a lot. She also said that unfortunately, not all placements can be chosen. So families need to be flexible with moving. <laughs> Complete opposite of what we've just said, Kathy. Yeah, wow. Where for, is this uni? For example, having placement in another town state but having to work out your kids' schooling or work, etc. sometimes it might mean having to take them out of school or use family, close friends to help you complete this. Wow. That's wow. Crazy. That is such a high expectation for a parent who's studying. So it's good to hear that, you know, some universities are pretty flexible with being able to do placement at your convenience that would be a really big relief of some families, but it seems like other universities can be pretty strict. And I guess it's just wherever you get, you have to go. So you're going to have to have a really good support network, it seems like. Yeah, for sure. Like you can imagine being in a place where you might not have any support around you and how hard achieving this might be. I even just feel guilty again, <laughs> thinking back. I remember like when we were getting our placement and I would put preferences in that were like close to home or like, You're like I want I want a kilometer down the street from my yeah. house. And then I got drafted to Mount Isa and I thought it was the end of the world. Like I thought I had, you know, I had the worst position going to Mount Isa. But now I realize that because we were a little bit more flexible as students, we can help those other students who are parents get their preference of working close to home. Yeah, that's such a nice thought, Cass. I didn't even think about that until you said that. Okay, let's get into the third question. 
Is there a requirement for face-to-face tutorials? So for example, anatomy in the labs, clinics with real children, infants or adults, and do you need to attend in person or can you complete it solely online? Okay, let's hear from another listener. In the first semester, you do a biology unit, um, which does have labs, which you do dissections, um, which is really beneficial because it just helps you understand the areas that you're going through. Um, But it isn't mandatory. To my understanding, there is no option to complete these units um, solely online. There is no attendance requirement, though, to pass the unit. So it's really just for your benefit going to the tutorials to help you understand better. Um, Anatomy and neuroscience don't have any labs though, so they're just tutorials using props and the models to help students understand. Um, Sometimes on the videos when you're looking at like um, a larynx model, for example, it's really hard to see exactly where they're pointing to, Um, whereas in class you can play with it, you can move it around. It's just really good for understanding. And another mother said, So for the majority of time that I've been studying, so I've been studying for four years so far and I just had this year to go, very close to the end now, but I would say that for the majority of that time I have not attended face-to-face lectures and I've just caught up on the recordings um, online at home in my own time. So after the kids go to bed at night, I'll head out to the office and watch my lectures. just because attending face-to-face lectures um, has been tricky and the fact that the uni is 45 minutes drive, um, I find that it's a better use of my time um, not to just drive into uni for one lecture but to use that time for doing other classwork and then catch up on the lectures from home. So I found that has worked really well um, for me, which has been fantastic. Commuting to and from uni can take so much time. So much time. 45 minutes. My goodness. Like, it makes so much sense why this particular snot watches them from home. Like, imagine how much stuff you could get done in, like, an hour and a half of travel. Yeah. Well, that's almost half a lecture when you think about it. It's good that they're flexible, though, by the sounds of that particular uni. So the next question is, how many years does it take to complete the course? So is there an option to study at your own pace, whether that be full-time part-time or can you take a break if you have more children so that's a really good question let's hear from our first listener in terms of the time it takes to complete um, the course it depends on what type of course you're doing so if you're doing an undergrad then obviously it's the four years if you're studying with kids then it is more likely than not that you'll be doing a master's in which case it's normally two years full-time or four years part-time. There's definitely normally an option to go at your own pace. So um, a part-time load, which is what I'm doing, um, is two subjects per semester. I will say with working and three children, um, it is a pretty full-on load uh, and I definitely couldn't do full-time, that's for sure. Um, But there are other opportunities also to take it more slowly depending on the university that you're at and that would be something you'd have to discuss with the uni two subjects and three children and a part-time job sound hectic yeah (laughs) wow super mom okay and let's hear from someone else the program at our university is a four-year degree bachelor of speech pathology with graded or ungraded honors Um, and it is four years full-time 
I added an extra year because I started very slowly. I started part-time with just one course and then gradually built up to what would be more considered a full-time load over the next few years. And then now I'm sort of sitting more around a part-time load, which is just how it's ended up because I started part-time. A lot of people in our cohort have opted to shift over to a part-time load just because they need to work or there's life or there's family or just for their own um, capacity. They've just found it easier to drop to that part-time load. And I think it's very common to do the course that way um, and not necessarily the full-time load. If I was a mother, I would definitely start with the minimum and then build up as you go when you start to feel comfortable with the workload and that you can manage definitely wouldn't start full-time yeah absolutely not um I think it's really good that unis do allow you to kind of like gradually build up when you're ready as well based on obviously your prerequisite subjects but I think that sounds like a really good way to study another thing that's important to note with this question, especially with the can you take a break and defer or do part-time. To do placements, you would have prerequisite subjects that you need to complete before doing a placement. So, you know, doing part-time can really delay when you would actually start a placement though. So that's probably just something important to be aware of. Yeah, definitely. That's actually a really good point because I remember even – at uni, like the people that were, say, for example, like we're in our last year of third year or something going into fourth year and they would maybe have failed a subject in our last exam. So it meant that they couldn't come on placement, which I think is a huge bummer. So it's important to remember that. Okay, well, let's get into the fifth question. And this one is, can you access all resources online and remotely? So this might be via post. For example, can you get textbooks and assessments to look over? Actually, great question. I would love to know the answer to that. Mm. Okay, so let's hear from one of our listeners. In regards to the resources and whether you can get them online um, and remotely, um, I haven't purchased any textbooks yet. I have just borrowed all of the recommended texts from the library, um, but this will vary depending on how many books they have available as um, a student can request a textbook, which would mean you'd have to return it. Most textbooks are online, um, which is really easy to use. Um, The website is also really easy and they give you the option to get help with referencing, writing academic pages. Um, They even give you the option to have like a one-on-one session with the library staff themselves. So it's always really easy to get that sort of access to anything you need. That's a great response. Can I just say something I don't know whether this is legal or not to actually tell the world, but do you, do you want to know what I did at uni? What? I, in my like last two years of uni, I didn't want to buy the textbooks because I was like, oh, just can't be bothered spending like yeah. $80. You definitely buy all of the textbooks in first year. And then as you get to fourth year, you're like, mm, I don't need it. <laughs> no. So it's like, but I did need them for my assignments. And when I was like studying for exams, so I would hire them from the library, but then never return them at the That's return me. date. <laughs> <gasps> oh my goodness. I'm wait, so sorry for anyone listening. Wait, you gave me a heap of textbooks when you left our our job. 
So do I have one of your university textbooks? No, 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 no. <laughs> I returned them, but like after I was finished with them, like if somebody else had requested to use it for the assignment, because oh. you'd only be able to hire it for like four days or something to make it fair for everybody to use them. Yeah. But I would like hire them for like two weeks. And then when I was finished and I submitted the assignment, I would return them. Oh, you're one of those people. <laughs> No. but I ended up getting like heaps of library fines that my mom ended up paying for me thank you um <laughs> because which was probably in hindsight more expensive than a textbook it definitely was Cassie and you just put everyone behind because you're a big hog <laughs> thanks for sharing getting off that chest now we really know yeah, who I you know. are <laughs> I know. I'm sorry all right let's listen to another answer to this question most of the readings and the textbooks and things that you need to complete your study are available online. And I find that really helpful because it means that I can do a lot of reading and study at night after the kids have gone to bed, which is generally when I get most of my work done. <laughs> um, the challenge is that a lot of the resources that you need to be familiar with, like types of assessments and forms, um, other things that you might be able to use, like flashcards and toys and games things like that that you may need um, for practical um, work and also for your assessment tasks along the way are often located in hard copy in a resources room and you would need to access those on site because they're often not available uh, in electronic form. Some of them are but um, not. that's not always guaranteed so bear that in mind. Oh my god remember the resource cupboards at uni? They yeah. would be like ancient. And I'd look at all of the assessments and be like, oh, my goodness, what are these? You're just like, I'm never going to know all these. Mm -hmm. It seems like you can't get the assessments posted. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that's probably illegal. Yeah, but. <laughs> it's most definitely illegal. But definitely you can get a lot of the materials online. So. <laughs> <laughs> laughing at the thought of the PLS in a post bag <laughs> the teddy like help me oh my goodness okay well let's move on so the sixth question is what is the educational support like are the lecturers supportive with students who have families if you can't make it to a class because your child is sick or need an extension are they understanding of that and so on which I'm interested to know because for a young school leaver no they didn't care, did they, Cass? I was just about to say, absolutely not. Like, I don't even think the lecturers knew my name because they just couldn't care less who I was. Totally. So I'm keen to hear if it's any different for mothers, which it definitely should be. We really do have a beautiful faculty at, at our university and all the lecturers, are they're really easy to get along with and to um access so they are supportive and understanding of students with families as much as they can be um so they're still you know still they're still limited in some ways as to what they can make happen for you as far as placements and things there's only so much they can do but they certainly in my experience have done the best they can to to be accommodating and as far as, you know, not being able to attend class if you have a sick child, that's never been an issue as much as it would be with anyone that couldn't attend class because they were sick. So getting extensions for assignments if you need them is 
is a standard thing. I don't think that parents or, you know, people with families would get any extra preference in that way any more than anyone else would get, um, you know, access to an extension for an assignment or, you know, an exam or whatever it might be. Um, I think it's just the standard maybe two-week extension that you can access if you've put in, you know, if you've contacted them with a legitimate reason. Um, yeah, so that's just standard across, you know, what all students would be able to access. But it's fair and, um, yeah, accessible if need be. And now from one of our other listeners. From my experience, all my lecturers have been really understanding. Um, they still have to treat you the same as the other students, though, regardless of whether you have children. Um, but in terms of assignments and um, extensions, as long as you put in an application before the deadline, they seem to be fine with that. Um, I was lucky enough last year not to experience any sick days with my children. Um, during semester so I didn't need an extension for any assessment but for students I know who did apply they said there was no problem and they were given an extension every time the uni wants students to pass so they do everything they can to accommodate for students who are having issues completing assessments seems like it's pretty consistent across the board then with that question I think so Lecturers and universities sound really, really supportive um, and I really like how these mums have made a big effort to say that they don't feel like anything that they're getting is any different to anybody else. So they feel as though they're being treated fairly, which I think, I mean, for me personally, like if I was a parent going to uni, I would feel bad if I was getting like special treatment. So I think that's really nice that they feel as though they're getting kind of the same treatment as everybody else. One of our listeners mentioned the biggest support has been from other students. They said, it's really special to know how important student support is. I think you forget how much you see your peers and how many ups, downs, tears, laughs and good times you share with them. Yeah, I agree. I remember when I was at uni and we were in our third year and it was like, it was so stressful. I literally remember this day. And we had like a big group presentation due and there was like me and three other um, girls in my group who were all speechy students as well. And I remember we spent like 12 hours in the library. We like ordered dinner and like you forget how much time I think you spend together. Like even though it might not be like fully working the whole time, but like you actually build like a lot of really strong relationships at uni. And I think I didn't realize at the time how important and significant those relationships were to helping me actually get through the course. Yeah, that's right. And if you don't, if you don't understand something, one of those peers is going to be able to help you. And likewise, you can help them. So, and here is a, another little snippet from one of our listeners. While my children getting sick can be challenging, I still have to meet the same requirements as everyone else. I have picked up my kids early from school to make classes. I've written assignments with sick kids cuddled up next to me, listened to lectures waiting for them to finish after school activities. I was running between two casual jobs at one stage and towards the end of the semester, I was getting up at 4 a.m. to write assignments anything to complete this degree. Having children for me is a huge motivating factor to complete my studies. I want to be a speech pathologist, but I also want to provide a good life for my family and show them what you can achieve if you really want something. The biggest lesson I have learned is not to overthink everything. If I had known what I was getting myself in for, I wouldn't have applied to study this degree. (laughs) It would have been way too overwhelming, but it is the best decision I've ever made. 
I just take it one step at a time and figure out one obstacle at a time. Oh, that's so nice. I really like how she said I wouldn't have if I knew what I was getting myself into, which by Cassie and I putting out this episode, we don't want to scare any other potential mothers out there who do want to study speech pathology. We just want to make sure that when you make the decision, then you have supports around and strategies to help with the family and your children. That's really true. And I think looking forward into the future, knowing that you are going to be a speech pathologist and you are going to have a good job that's stable with a good income. I think for a lot of families, like that's what's holding them there. And I think, you know, you're doing, like you said, Ash, everything you can for your family in the end. So yeah, I think that's really nice. Okay. Well, that's all the questions that we had. And we really hope that it has answered some questions that you might have if you are a mother considering studying speech pathology or if you do know anyone who is wanting to study, please pass on this episode because we hope that we can provide some insight into what uni life is like for mothers and fathers. Yeah, for sure. And as Ash and I have both mentioned, we really want to support you guys in this journey and help you feel comfortable with making that decision of going back to study, no matter how challenging it might be. I think it's really nice to hear from people who actually in the course right now and are experiencing it firsthand because I'm sure that if they can do it, anybody is able to do it. Definitely. And for school leavers, maybe stop complaining. No. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think just understanding like how us being flexible can really help somebody else who's in a more challenging situation. So where you can, I think just keep that in mind. I wish I had have thought about that a little bit more. Very well said, Cass. Well, this is the end of the episode. So thank you so much for listening and we will be in your ears next Monday with another episode. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to stay up to date with us, then please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Diary of a New Grad Speechy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review below. Thanks so much. See you next week.